0: forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello everyone, Amy here. No April this week, just myself and our wonderful guest Stella Harris. April, I believe, is in Seattle doing some work around masturbation sleeves. So April will be back back on the show next week. Uh, This week... Featuring Stella Harris, we are going to talk all about squirting, gushing, G-spots, as well as vulva mapping, if you've ever heard of such a thing. So a really juicy, no pun intended, episode um, with Stella, and I'll tell you a little bit more about her. But she recently wrote a book called Tongue Tied, Untangling Communication in Sex, Kink, and Relationships. So, more about that soon. Uh, and then just a couple of shout outs before we dive in. Uh, in the episode, we talk a little bit further about OMGS yes in there, uh, get her opinion on it because she's another educator and coach who actually teaches people vulva mapping, which is kind of like what OMGS is all about. Um, Learning where the sensations are, where the pleasure is, where there's even more pleasure that you didn't even know about. Um, So stay tuned and listen to the episode for more info. But um, I don't know if I mentioned this on there, but our listeners get $5 off if you go to omgs.com backslash shameless, Uh, you get $5 off there. So stay tuned to learn more if you're wondering what I'm talking about. Also one other announcement um my speaking of coaching my partner and I are also doing couples coaching. Um, you all know, or maybe you don't all know, but you've probably heard me say that I do coaching. I've done sex and relationship coaching for a while. I do it in person. I do it online. Um, so does Stella Harris, our um, our guest speaker. So um, she's she's in the Portland area and she also does it online. So I'm definitely not saying don't go to her. And I also wanted to just sh- give a shout out to um, the work that my partner and I are now doing um, for couples. If you are interested in working with the kind of the dynamic of the masculine and feminine, we are offering that either online or in person. Um, My partner comes from a background of uh, facilitating retreats. He's currently in a Hakomi holistic psychotherapy training, um, and so he has really wonderful skills and working with people. Um, he gets really, really deep with them and deep in the core. I'm a little more heady. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's find all the solutions and move forward. And he's really great at getting into the nitty gritty of what needs to be worked on. So... Um, if you're looking to go deeper into that work, please don't hesitate to shoot me an email at shamelesssexpodcast@gmail.com, at and I can give you more information. Uh, we have really affordable rates and we are loving this work. So um, go ahead and reach out anytime. And last shout out before we dive into the podcast, we're not even answering sex questions this week. We're just diving right in, um, is to our wonderful friends at Bijou. We spoke about this on many a podcast, but we love their new horoscope line. And um, this is an awesome gift set for you or for someone else. And it comes with a little finger vibe as well as a little gem that's based on. Uh, your birth month, and then also a clitoral stimulating bomb, which can also be used on penises, by the way. And it's um, either in earth, air, fire, and water, depending on your sign. And this little kit, under 50 bucks, um, holiday season's coming up, but it's also a great gift gift you, to give yourself. You get jewelry, sex toys, and clitoral bomb all in one. And we love this. Bijou, by the way, is a women-owned company. And it's so cool. We have... All these women-owned companies or um, female-centric companies that we're, we're promoting. Um, and also, I just wanted to give a shout-out to our team here, too. We have all these interns. Um, we have someone helping us with Twitter now that is completely voluntarily based. We have someone else that's helping us out with our online marketing, another woman. So, Pure Pleasure. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, Pure Pleasure, that's also women-owned, too. But <laughs> Shameless Sex um, has a whole team of women. Um, all including the person that runs our Instagram, it's all women. A lot of them are interns and volunteer volunteering to help us. So big shout out to everyone, all the women that are making shameless sex, awesome and running. We love you and we feel so honored for this. Um, opportunity to grow and for this team. So we love all of you. You know who you are. Uh, But uh, Bijou, by the way, is another woman-owned company. So to learn more, go to bijouindiscrets.com. That's B-I-J-O-U-X-I-N-D-I-S-C-R-E-T-S.com. And if you use code SHAMELESS in all caps, you get 15% off of any of your purchases. You can also get the new horoscope line at Pure Pleasure as well. We have a really beautiful display there if you live in Santa Cruz, um, and listeners always get 15% off with code uh, shamelesspp in all caps at PeerPleasureShop.com. and that's with all sex toys. So if you just want the Bijou stuff, go to Bijou site. If you want the Bijou stuff and some other fun goodies and sex toys and things, then you can get it all at Pure Pleasure site as well. That's all my all my announcements for now. We're going to dive into the podcast because I know you all want to learn about the juiciness of squirting and G-spots and vulva mapping. Uh, Maybe you don't all want to learn that, but that's an assumption. Um, We've talked about this on past podcasts. It was just uh, usually a podcast between April and I, so it's wonderful to get uh, another educator's uh, feedback and opinion on this because there really isn't that much information about squirting. Um, So it's really great to have someone else and um, give, their, give their, their, whole, their whole background and approach. And she's really knowledgeable. You're going to love her. Let me tell you a little bit about her. So, Stella Harris is changing the way people experience their sex lives. As a certified intimacy educator and sex coach, she gives her students the tools and confidence to explore their sexuality safely and free of shame. A national and international speaker, Stella teaches everything from pleasure anatomy to communication skills to kink and BDSM. Stella writes a weekly sex advice column for Portland's Willamette Week newspaper, and her erotic fiction has appeared in more than a dozen anthologies. Check out her latest book, Tongue Tied, Untangling Communication in Sex, Kink, and Relationships, as well as her website at StellaHarris.net. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. All right, everyone, it is episode time with the wonderful Stella Harris. Um, I've already introduced Stella Harris. You know um, a lot about Stella, and we're going to hear a little more, but I just want to put it out there just so everyone knows that we just found out five seconds ago that Stella's laptop got switched (laughs) into security. (laughs) Stella came home with someone else's laptop, so we're on it to an interesting start. You're handling it well, though. I'm so impressed by you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, you never know what the universe is going to throw at you. (laughs) Yes, throwing some curveballs. You just have some
0: stranger's laptop here, and you have to, she's teaching a workshop. Do you use a workshop for classes? Are you gonna your laptop for classes? Would
1: have done PowerPoint, um, but luckily I have backup laminated anatomical charts because I'm used to technical problems, Uh not this technical problem. Yeah, but I'm used to some sort, so I can go analog as needed. You're like, I'll
0: figure it out. You know, what's the worst (laughs) that could happen? So that's good. Yeah, I mean, you're again, Haley, Welsh tomorrow. She's teaching Wet and Wild, uh, G spa and squirting orgasm workshop at Pure Pleasure. Um, So that's part of the reason why she's in town and. And I'm really excited to have her here. She's, um, as we said, a a, a wonderful public speaker and just wrote a book that uh, I talked about in the intro as well, but it's called Tongue Tied, Untangling Communication in Sex, Kink, and Relationships. And we're going to focus on... um, a lot about more like squirting and g-spot stuff because i know that our listeners like that but stella has a lot of really great things to share about relationships in general and i know you all want that too so we're going to kind of move all over but let's start with um stella if you could just tell us like how did you get to where you are today people are always curious like how does one become a sex coach a sex educator a author about sexuality um it's quite a unique journey
1: yeah um Looking back on it, I could sort of artificially draw a straight line. I can see how it makes sense. Um, but it didn't occur to me that this was a job that could exist until about six years ago. Uh, in the intro of the book, I actually talk about my upbringing. I talk about having to to battle some sex shame in my family, having to teach my grandmother about hymens. <laughs> um, so from an early age, I did realize that that people don't know about sex and bodies and that I was sort of on my own to find good information. My mom had been sex positive, but then she died when I was relatively young. And so I lost sort of good familial information, but she was also a librarian and I knew how to research cause I grew up in libraries. So I learned a lot from books and then just ended up advising a lot of my peers as I got older, you know, uh, first about contraception, later about pleasure and and then I worked in the nonprofit field for a decade mm-hmm. after also a detour to law school. So it was certainly not a straight line. Um, what happened was, gosh, maybe seven or eight years ago now, um, I was married and the marriage opened up. And that process taught me an awful lot about um, that sort of transition to open relationships. I'd been in an open relationship before, mm-hmm. but hadn't transitioned from monogamy to open. And the, coach that helped my then partner and I through that ended up becoming a mentor of mine years later. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I did when the relationship opened up was get very active in the Portland kink scene. Mm -hmm. And I started being asked to teach in the kink scene. And I started doing that. And people kept asking me to do more things. And that's when I realized, if I'm really going to make a go of this, I should go back and get more formal training in these areas and that is when I went through a a coaching training program as well as the intimacy educator program Mm -hmm. to sort of um, just put together the the training and background that I wanted because it didn't all exist in one place Mm -hmm. and then so to get into teaching Uh, I mean, you teach so many
0: things. I was looking on your website, uh, all the different options that you have. But to teaching G spots and uh, squirting classes, is there? um, I mean, is this like a particular passion
1: of yours to teach this specific topic? So the squirting class sort of um, sort of grew out of a class that I teach called mapping the vulva. Mm. The squirting class was initially a um, a special request. Uh, by one of the the venues that I teach for regularly, um, Shebop, a mm-hmm. sex toy store we have in Portland. They said they were getting a lot of questions about squirting, and they asked if I could do a class on it. And I said, sure, because I already covered it in my general vulva class, but, you know, it was maybe five minutes of that class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I rewrote an outline that focused on that a great deal more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that you ask if that's a particular passion of mine because... There are some ways in which that class a little bit goes against my usual style of teaching Mm. because I I really try to emphasize for people that that sex shouldn't be goal oriented. Mm. It doesn't need to look a particular way. It's probably not going to look the way porn looks and squirting. I feel like it's an activity that can become more goal-oriented, right? Mm-hmm. Because either either you have squirted or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's harder to make that about the journey the way you can with other sorts of touch and pleasure. Mm-hmm. So I really emphasize in that class that not everybody's body is going to do that, and that's okay, and it's not necessarily a better orgasm. And there are people who squirt who wish they didn't because it's just kind of a hassle, and they can't have a quickie without planning for you know, towels and, you know, so it's not, it's not this end all be all, you know, amazing thing that you're missing out on if you can't do. Mm -hmm. That said, I, I think it's really valuable for people to have all the tools to explore their bodies and find out what their bodies can do. And so in that sense, it really, it fits in to sort of teach people the anatomy and touch techniques that they can try if it's something they want to do. And the other thing I really like about that class is it's a great opportunity to dispel a lot of anxiety and shame. Um, I have had people cry in that class because they realize that they are not strange or wrong or broken, which is something I hear from people around a lot of topics, but specifically around this. I think a lot of people have a lot of embarrassment. You know, They think that it's urine and they think that that's shameful. I also emphasize that even if it is urine... You know who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Urine is really the, the safest body fluid to be playing with if you're going to play with one of them mm-hmm. you know no big deal if everyone's having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it it becomes it becomes a little bit of a soapbox for me mm-hmm. more so than my other classes actually I I've, I've had to pare it down a little bit. I think the first time I, I did the class there was about 40 minutes of me talking about politics mm-hmm. and science because of the ways in which, Bodies have been treated in, sci- in science, especially people who are assigned female at birth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Masters and Johnson, Kinsey Institute, all of these places witnessed squirting in the lab and then dismissed it. Mm-hmm. And I, I have people in the class, I sort of hand out these cards and have them read quotes, where they they reading from the science where people said, Oh, yeah, we observed this, but we don't think it's a thing. Like it doesn't even follow logically in their own words. Mm. We saw this, but we're ignoring it. Mm. Um, so it is a chance for me to, to talk about the ways in which um, our personal explorations and our anecdotes, at least in some areas of sex and bodies are... Just as valuable as Mm. sort of whatever big research or, you know, in some cases, you know, what the medical profession has to work with, Mm. which is awful. I don't think that's how it should be. Yeah. But until sex positive science gets funding we are going to have to keep figuring some of this out on our own. got to get the
0: pharmaceutical companies on board. Apparently. Right? That's all they care about
1: <laughs> money. Um, okay. I'm going to ask
0: you some questions as if I don't know anything about this and I'm probably going to learn things from you anyways. And so I probably don't know everything about this anyways. Um, can everyone squirt or in a, in a squirting gushing, I use the word gushing too, but is everyone have the, every female body uh, person have the ability to do this? I don't think so. Okay.
1: Um, All bodies are different. Mm. I know some people who teach squirting or gushing say everybody can do this. Mm. And they're coming from a place of meaning to empower people and meaning to normalize it. And I have heard from people who have been to those classes and they feel more broken Mm. when they leave if they can't do it. So, no, I don't think all bodies do it because I don't think there's any universal thing that all Mm -hmm. bodies do, regardless of gender. Mm -hmm. So, I don't think everybody can do it. And... It also looks different for different people. You know, for some people, they don't know that it happened until they see that there's a puddle on the sheets. Mm. And for other people, it sprays like a fountain Mm. and everywhere in between. Mm. So even if if people are doing it, it doesn't always look the same and it doesn't always feel the same.
0: And then to your knowledge, what is it? What is this fluid coming? How is this happening? What's
1: going on? <laughs> well, there's a, there's a lot going on there. They have, they've done multiple studies where they actually test the chemical makeup of the fluid. They'll have, you know, people pee in a cup mm. and then empty their bladder and then ejaculate or squirt into a cup and then they test that. And it is chemically mostly different. Mm. Um, From urine. From urine, yeah. Yeah. There's sometimes a tiny bit of urea, Mm -hmm. um, but that's true for pre-ejaculate and people with penises as Mm -hmm. well. Like part of its job is to clear the urine out of the system because urine is not conducive um, to conception. Mm -hmm. And whether we like it or not, our bodies are trying to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of the things that our bodies do are are to facilitate that. Mm -hmm. So one of the theories is that something that helps flush out the system and make it more... Um, more welcoming mm. to to sperm whether or not you're actually engaging with sperm that's what <laughs> bodies are, so are looking yeah. for mm. you know um so that that's part of it mm. um, the actual fluid has um, a lot of of similarities with prostatic fluid mm. and so people are, are calling um, calling sort of the g-spot an analogous structure to the prostate and then we get into a lot of sort of complicated nuance about anatomy and how most of what we know about anatomy is wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, For one thing, the G spot isn't really a spot. Mm -hmm. It's not a thing. And that's part of why when doctors and scientists go looking for it, there's nothing to find because what it actually is, is an area on the anterior wall of the vaginal canal that happens to be very sensitive in some people. And it is associated with the um, urethral sponge And because the urethra runs the whole length of the vaginal canal, the part that's sensitive can be basically anywhere. Um, And now there's more awareness of the um, internal clitoral complex and that that has as much erectile tissue as a penis. You just can't see most of what it's doing. And so rather than G-spot, this doesn't have much of a nice ring to it, mm-hmm. but more accurately, we're now talking about the clitoral urethral vaginal complex <laughs> or the, or yeah. the CUV com- complex, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think is going to take off. Uh, a little wordy. Yeah. <laughs> but that is more accurately what mm-hmm. we're dealing with here. It's all of those structures um, interfacing with each other. Mm-hmm. So there was actually an interesting study was done by an Australian doctor um, she dissected a lot of corpses mm-hmm. and checked out their genitals. And what she found was sort of a mixed bag. But, but one of the major findings of that was there were all of these little ducts from the urethral sponge um, feeding into the urethra. Mm-hmm. And where those were on different bodies varied wildly. Some of them were very close to the urethral opening. Some of them were much closer to the bladder. Um, and you can you can look this up online. There are... Um, you know, sort of the black and white MRI images of what was going on there. And so one of the best guesses now for what's going on there is that as the urethral sponge fills with tissue, um, that the tissue fills with fluids, those ducts sort of let that fluid backflow into the urethra mm. and potentially backflow all the way into the bladder. And then with what we're calling squirting or gushing, it is that, that fluid flushing out. Mm-hmm. On the does everybody do it note, um, there is something called a a retrograde ejaculation. And this happens for people with penises as well, um, where instead of coming out of the body, the ejaculate does go back up into the bladder. So it's also possible that for some people who don't think they're squirting, many of these processes could be occurring and the fluid could be going the other way. Mm. And then it just gets mixed in with your urine when you're peeing after sex and you may never know. Because um, you're probably not checking that closely. Yeah. Of like, is, is this, this color yeah. at all different than what it normally is? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little bit about the anatomy and yeah. the what's happening. So for most people, the fluid actually comes out of the urethra. That said, some people do have an excess of fluid actually exiting the skin's glands. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So, and some people even say that they have fluid coming out of the vaginal canal. Hmm. Um, Interesting. But it seems like for the majority of people, it, it comes out erythra. of the urethra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah,
0: so, yeah. It's such a complicated... I've, <laughs> it's but, clear as mud now, right? Yeah, well, and I understand, <laughs> but I'm just thinking of all the books that I've, that I've read and things like that. I've only seen like one book really explain that with the, kind of what you're talking about on a cellular level, which is the women's anatomy of arousal. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I did... Uh, my training was, fizzy, you know, over ten years ago now to be be a sex educator, and I, you know, minored in a human uh, in human sexuality. I didn't see in, anything about the clitoris being these three parts, yeah. and and, and uh, female ejaculation uh, being explained as or squirting being explained as something on a cellular level other than like you know Deborah Sundahl talking about like mm-hmm. it just happens and it's wonderful have you right. like I mean what is your understanding if there's a lot of this is it's not a newer thing it's just that we're understanding it in a new way right. and there's not a, have you seen a lot of literature on this I mean you've seen some studies but not, no, not a lot. lot
1: yeah I've seen some studies you know I get in there and I'm downloading all the mm-hmm. the studies that that are done and there's you know like two or three there there's very little there's there's a couple of newish ones there's not a lot of great stuff out there um in terms of of is it new no but we keep rediscovering information. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm teaching the class, you know, part of the the quotes that I hand out and some of the images that I have, you know, there's images in art back thousands of years that basically depict squirting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it does have a spiritual component. Um, In Sanskrit, the the word for that ejaculate was amrita, Mm -hmm. the fluid of the gods, and a number of different religions and cultures make reference to this. So we knew about it. We've known about it for Mm -hmm. thousands of years. Um, But knowledge has repeatedly been suppressed over the years. You know, science gets repressed by you know, religion, by mm-hmm. politics. And that's something that's happened in anatomy books. Mm-hmm. More than once, there has been sort of a culling of information from the books. And then we lose things mm-hmm. in in day-to-day knowledge. So we used to know a lot more about anatomy and then it was intentionally suppressed. And so now we're relearning mm-hmm. things. The whole idea of um, of G-spot and squirting sort of didn't get popularized until the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and even still, I think most people don't know that that's a thing, mm. um. So it's it's not it's not as widely known as I think it, it should be.
0: What about so yeah? I mean, I so I know a number of people. I know a number a lot of squirters, I'm I'm mm-hmm. someone myself, and I like my you know. My for me it's it's something that it comes in waves. Like my first orgasm, there was it was easy for me. To, I, I ejaculated. I was like, "Let's well, go." Cool. I know what this is, but this is confusing. And mm-hmm. my mom was a squirter, and her mom was a squirter. So we're like, "Oh." And and, it, and oh, I think I that wonder we, if it runs in families. Well, that's amazing. I was gonna say, I think that the, <laughs> everyone for,
1: email me and tell me if that's
0: true. <laughs> I think just my theory was just that some bodies are it's easier to access, and and for mm-hmm. some folks that it's just either harder to access or they can't access or whatever it is. They have mm-hmm. some sort of mental block. There's so many things there, but. I also know a number of people that just still to this day, because they've never done it and they, you know, are nurses, they're like, it's not real. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. What do you say to the, the, the naysayers when they say that? When they're like, when you, if, I don't know if you encounter them, but the people that really just still don't, won't get on board, board and don't believe that it's a thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that that my body can't do that I know are possible. (laughs) My my housemate runs marathons, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and I would be inclined to say that that's not possible Mm -hmm. if I was only basing it on what my body can do. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, I think you're absolutely right about the mental piece there. And that's Mm -hmm. part of why I talk about the culture and the shame so much in the class, in part because that mental block can Change what your body is capable of, and that's true for all kinds of sexual response. It happens when people are trying to get erections. It happens when people are trying to access any kind of arousal. Mm. Um, your brain needs to be on board, and if you are worried about something like wetting the bed, making a mess, we clench down. You know that the sensation of squirting for a lot of people does feel similar to urinating because you know, it is coming from the same place. And I think a lot of people have that sort of feeling and then shut it down, sort of clamp down on their PC muscles, don't let it happen. And it's very possible they don't know that they're doing that. So a big part of what I talk about in the class is the relaxation piece, the letting go piece, you know, going ahead and pushing. Um, One of my colleagues wrote an article that I I love, and she described it as um, trying to pretend like you're trying to lay an egg um, for mm-hmm. the sensation of, of doing that pushing. Yeah, it's like a bearing down mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are not doing those pieces. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are doing the opposite of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. They're, they, and they're, yeah, they the mind, the mind and the way that it gets in It just, it makes such a big difference if we have this big block if there's shame and fear. So what are some other tips then for people who want to learn this, they've neither never experienced it, or maybe they've uh, been able to uh, squirt or gush once, and then they kind of turned it off somehow mm-hmm. subconsciously. How do you help guide people to um, get to gain that skill yeah. or understanding of their body, I guess?
1: Um, so again, all bodies are different. There are absolutely some people who squirt from external stimulation, clitoral stimulation, um, when I was actually a kid first learning to masturbate, um, I was squirting mm. with external stimulation only. I had no idea what it was, but I would always grab a pile of tissues mm-hmm. and put them bef- between my legs because I knew it would be a mess. I wasn't too worried about it. Mm-hmm. but um, And then at some point that just went away. So I don't know if there was a mental shutting down mm. or what that was. Um, so absolutely, some people will squirt from external stimulation. Um, that's true of some friends of mine. The majority of people, it seems to um, more linked with internal stimulation. So stimulating the region that we call the G-spot and stimulating that area vigorously seems to be the closest we have to a sure thing. It's not going to work for everybody, um, but that's sort of the first thing I suggest people try Mm. with all the caveats that... Not everybody is into penetration, not everyone is into vigorous penetration, so that's not going to be for everyone. The other thing is if you're experimenting on your own body, a lot of people, you know, their arms aren't long enough, mm-hmm. their, you know, wrists and fingers don't have the dexterity to reach their own body and move in the ways that are necessary, so having some sort of a, a toy intended for G-spot stimulation um, is really ideal for that. Mm-hmm. Um I really like the pure wand. That's mm-hmm. the one that I demo in the classes. It's The enjoy, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: N J O Y, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah,
1: um, TSI also got to look at that as yeah, I they're was coming like, through. Huge they huge metal. thing? They opened my uh, my suitcase and had a moment with that one. Did you make sure you um, still have that? <laughs> that was in the suitcase. Okay, so that that so I should still. have. That'd be funny if
0: you swap that. Someone else had one too, and you swapped. And, and I would enjoy. never know. <laughs> you Sanitize. Someone sex stainless steel. Everyone, it's very easy to clean, so that's good.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that gets boiled a lot. There's mm-hmm. a lot of sex toys tea in my house <laughs> I <bet>. um, mm. <laughs> so yeah so some sort of a g-spot wand um can be really helpful if, you, if you're trying on yourself because mm. it really helps you reach that area and because those toys are generally used with sort of a pivoting motion um it can just also be easier on the wrist and arm to to get that kind of force mm. um then sort of straight up thrusting
0: okay and on on the note of the, the, the mental, because I know a part of it is, you know, setting up a space that's safe and relaxing and being able to be present in your body. And if you have any sort of tightness, then your pelvic floor is going to follow too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about this on past podcasts. Um, one thing I'm just, I'll just out a personal experience that I've had is my uh ability to ejaculate comes in waves based on mm-hmm. what's going on in my life mm-hmm. and so i'll have this like whenever i was at the age 18 to 19 i was that's when i had my first orgasms was ejaculating um, we use it with with orgasm, with a, a, a strong vibrator on my clit. And then I turned it off mentally. I was like, no, I, I don't know if I like this thing. And then it went away for a number of years. And then it came back on when I was about 25 from someone very vigorously milking my G-spot in a way mm-hmm. that's just, there was not an actual muscle contraction um, orgasm. It was just the release that comes with mm-hmm. the ejaculation. Had that for a number of years. Now what's happening is when I have things that go on in my life, like there's some sort of mini emotional trauma or big emotional trauma, um, it'll turn off for a while, turn off for about six months, it's hard to yeah. access. And then all of a sudden we'll get turned on again by an experience that was just kind of like a really juicy experience. Um, do you, what do you? What can you say about that in t- the terms of the more like mental experiences of how this process is related to um, the actual experiences that are happening in life that might not mm-hmm. even be related to sexuality?
1: Yeah. Well, it is worth noting um, in something that you said that ejaculation and orgasm are separate biological processes. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what kind of genitals you have, you can have one without the other. And a lot of people do report squirting sort of before or separate from orgasm. Um, But yeah, absolutely. It's a part of your mental state. You know, we talk so much with people about, you know, doing things like Kegels and strengthening their pelvic floor. But for most people, they're actually carrying around extra tension too tight. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just telling people to exercise more is, is sort of the opposite of what a lot of people need. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that really helps with this is relaxation techniques, breathing techniques. I work people through a breathing, um, a breathing exercise in the class for this. And so I think you're absolutely right that if you're, if you're stressed or if you're feeling unsafe, your body is not going to be in a place to relax fully. There are things that, We can tell our bodies to do and other things that we can't just talk them into. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, with anal sex where the external sphincter, you can, you know, tell it what to do and the internal one, you have to be genuinely relaxed Mm -hmm. because you don't have conscious control over that. And so I think that this is very similar, you know, with, with the squirting piece, like are there techniques that you can do to help yourself relax? Can you light candles, have Mm -hmm. soft music? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if you're not feeling safe and comfortable in your life, or if you're not feeling safe and comfortable with the partner that's with you, I think your body knows all of that. Mm-hmm. And it, it just doesn't always respond. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah, in my case, I think it was also had a the physical trauma of which I've talked about in the podcast many times of actually having an abortion and, mm-hmm. um, and something in that it made it since then, it's just been like, hard to access you know it's something that will mm-hmm. come come and go here but isn't a regular thing and i think i just want to highlight that that everything is connected right there's like our, our physical experience our emotional experience mm-hmm. maybe some, for some folks the spiritual experience is all just so so connected and um, all working together and i'm the master of like, trying to read a book to figure out all of my sexual problems it doesn't necessarily work that way everyone like there's you know there's an exper- experiential experience a practice here mm-hmm. that actually ties in there too um i'm curious about this this vulva mapping that you spoke to because yeah. here's another thing that i've been talking to a lot of people about i created this very informal survey i've talked about it on a podcast before if you go to our website uh, shamelesssex.com on the bottom it says um it's a survey on female sexual pleasure and it's very informal it's just asking um female body folks to answer a number of questions about what feels good, what doesn't feel good. How are they having the orgasms that they're having? I'm wondering what your thoughts, you can tell me more about vulva mapping. And also I've seen a number of studies on how, of course everyone's different. Some people more at nerve endings around the head of the clitoris. Some people have more nerve endings all around the labia or in the mm-hmm. vulva. Some people have a lot of nerve endings inside. A lot of people don't have nerve endings around yeah. the inside, except around the cervix or like the first inch. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then how this relates to the pleasure right like i'll talk to some folks who just having a dildo or a penis inside of them feels amazing just having that in there and i'm like do you just have a lot more nerve endings inside of you than i do because Mm -hmm. for me it needs a lot more stuff and people just aren't talking about it this way so i'm just curious uh, what you have to say about that
1: yeah absolutely so all bodies are innervated differently and Lack of knowledge about this causes a lot of problems. So when people have cosmetic surgeries like labiaplasties, sometimes they lose the ability to orgasm because Mm. they might be someone for whom a lot of those nerves were in the labia and they removed them. This is not something doctors warn people about before they have those sorts of surgeries. Mm. Um, And you mentioned sort of um, the most nerve endings being sort of in the first inch or so of the vaginal canal. that was something that I was actually taught in my training and I was saying in classes for a while. And then I later learned that that is actually more true uh, for nerve endings that experience stretch mm. basically. Um, and that that is a feature of childbirth because mm. we want childbirth to not be so excruciating that nobody does it. Um, the whole vaginal canal doesn't experience that sort of stretching sensation in the mm. same way. That's more in the in, only in the first inch or so. Um, and yeah, there. so a friend of mine um, is uh, has been working on, on making sex toys, mm-hmm. um, Franklin Vo. And he was trying to make uh, basically a bionic strap-on so that um, the person wearing it would have something inside of them that connected to the external strap-on parts so that they could feel the sensation of the thrusting. And so to do that, he needed to know well, exactly where are the nerves in the vaginal canal that I, where, so where should I be putting, you know, these, these different sensors? And he looked for all of the studies and they don't exist. Mm-hmm. You can find the detailed innervation of a penis, of a nose, of a finger. The science actually doesn't exist for the vaginal canal mm-hmm. again, because we just don't do that science. Um, so then he backed up and said, well, I guess I'm going to have to do this myself. Um and because I'll do just about anything for science, <laughs> uh, I had an interesting afternoon where I had what was basically a homemade dildo covered in in thumbtacks that were hooked up to wires inside of me um, while he sort of very like mad scientist style, you know, flipped switches um, turning electricity on to each of those points. Mm. And very much like one of those hearing tests in school where you raise your hand mm. when you hear a noise, I was sort of raising my hand when I could feel the the electrical stimulus. Uh, to see where the nerve endings are and where you have stimulation. Uh-huh. Exactly. Or sensation. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I found out that I have a huge dead spot on, mm. on one side inside yeah. and fascinatingly found out that if he um, stimulated two points at once and one was at the dead spot and the other wasn't, I couldn't feel either. Mm. I don't know what that translates to other than it's fascinating. And among the the people he did this with, you know, he did at least dozens of people. It was different Mm -hmm. for everyone. Mm -hmm. So he didn't come away with like, Oh great. Here's how I designed the toy. It was, Oh "Oh, gosh, everyone's different. (laughs) This is interesting, but it doesn't translate to great toy design. Yeah. Which is part of why the same sex toys don't work for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, Because, because things are so different. Um, so And that's part of why the, the Mapping the Vulva class exists, because everybody is different. I can't tell you what's going to feel good to you, but I can tell you some ways you can explore your own body and find out what feels good. Mm. So that is a big part of what I do. I talk about touch techniques that you can use to explore your body or a partner's body. And then I talk about the communication skills to use to investigate if that touch is having a desired effect and to... Have the language to modify those kinds of touch, um, because normally we just ask people, "Is this okay? Yeah. More, less?" Um, okay. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, please check in. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's better than not checking in. Mm-hmm. But also, that that doesn't really give you actionable information about what would make something better.
0: Yeah, I did this recently with my partner, um, where they were um, they had a finger inside. I mean, they were touching just different areas Mm -hmm. of my uh, internal, my vaginal canal and, and asking me that like, is there sensation here? Is there sensation here? And kind of moving around clockwise in different areas, Mm -hmm. like an inch and two inches and three inches. in. and I already knew a lot of this because I've done it with myself before, but it was very helpful for them to understand the parts of my anatomy that don't really have a lot of sensation, the parts that do have a lot of sensation. And I mean, I'm still learning a lot about it as well, but I thought it was a really fun experiment and I think very enlightening to them and give them a lot more understanding of what my body might like or not like because they got really... A really clear clear uh, conversation related mm-hmm. to where i feel and don't feel
1: that's wonderful i wish yeah. everyone would do that with their partners well, i wish
0: everyone could use that thing the thumbtack thing and yeah. everyone the
1: thumbtacks <laughs> they were not pointing outward just so you know but i think that no, that would be so be than yeah i
0: know i am i mean that, i think that would be so uh or yeah something like that for people to have a, again like a greater understanding of their bodies and would help yeah. them to know that they're you know they're not broken this is just that there mm-hmm. we have we're all designed differently these things are put yeah. in different places and to understand what's unique to you i think that's awesome
1: and these things aren't constant even on the same body mm-hmm. as you were saying what mood you're in how much you've slept yeah. what's going on in your life what part of the month it is things change over time, things change based on medical procedures and Mm -hmm. childbirth. So all of this is constantly changing. It also changes with stages of arousal. And for a lot of people, penetration doesn't feel good until they're very aroused. And some of these anatomical structures we've been talking about can take up to 40 minutes or more to become fully engorged. Mm -hmm. And for some people, penetration doesn't feel good at all, or at least not as good as it can feel until that arousal has taken place so i also tell people in my class you know if you're curious and excited and you like run straight home and put your fingers in yourself you might not find what you're looking for because mm-hmm. unless you found my class exceptionally arousing yeah, already like on. that's maybe you know it's not going to feel like anything yeah so you still have to do that arousal work before you go looking
0: yeah um two things one have you heard of omgs you know probably Mm -hmm. because you're an educator um we uh so omgs something we talk about in the podcast often that um i mean i i think honestly people want like the deep dive into the work i think actually going to a workshop and or working with a coach is like the way to go if you really are trying to work on different aspects of your body um or understanding your body in a in a in a deeper way and omgs i've had a number of clients i don't know if you recommend to people ever Mm but where it's been really helpful like People who either they're already having amazing orgasms, but they um, go to use OMGS. So it's an online program for all of you who haven't heard. We've talked about it before, but online program where you get um, these sixty-two videos and different modules, and it shows you about different techniques for external vulva stimulation, um, and it just really expands the menu. And I've had a number of clients who um, were already having good orgasms, but just wanted more and they didn't Mm -hmm. realize that there was all these other sensations possible that they're not seeing because it's not in porn you know they're not showing all these different ways Um, and or also people have had a hard time having orgasms or not having orgasms at all and um and it's been a game changer so um and what do you? What do you, I don't know what your thoughts are about that.
1: Yeah, I mean they sent me a code to test it okay. when it was newer. I don't know if anything has changed since I played with it because oh. that was at least a year ago. Yeah, um, I really loved it. I yeah. love the concept. I love what it makes available. I love that it's real bodies. Mm-hmm. When I played with it the range of people was not as wide as I would like, it oh, you want to like be. more diversity in the
0: folks. Yeah, it. Uh-huh. it would have yeah.
1: been like nice to see different body sizes, to see some trans folks, mm. that sort of thing. That was not quite as broad as I would like. Maybe yeah. they've changed that in the last year. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: my knowledge is that they are because they're they're doing different seasons and they're just finishing season two, which is internal stimulation, okay, and great. and I think ejaculation is in it, and then season three they're going to do more stuff with trans trans folks, um, with you know pregnant folks, with I mean all kinds of stuff. They're doing awesome. male bodies too, so they're nice. and they're so they're. But they're because it's research-based, they're taking the information from what they learned from season one and then applying it to the next ones. And I, awesome. I know that they've heard that too. Great. So, yeah, yeah. I, will, I will loop back and yeah, play with it in. again. But yeah. I've
1: absolutely sent people to it because yeah. not only are you learning those actual techniques, but because the way it's set up is about people talking about their bodies, mm-hmm. it's actually, perhaps unintentionally, modeling the kind of communication where you might tell a partner how you like to be touched or you know, the questions you could ask a partner about what they like around their body because it's also modeling those conversations as it sort of tells the viewer.
0: Yeah, as it's happening, yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, so on, on just like a kind of maybe a Cliff Notes version because I know we could talk about it for like five hours, but <laughs> what is your advice for people in the moment when they're being touched by a, a lover or a partner and they want something different? What is your kind of go-to protocol for how they can ask for that or guide that in a way that isn't triggery or, or in, for them mm-hmm. that they feel just comfortable doing for asking for?
1: Absolutely. Um, I really encourage people to negotiate their communication style in advance. Mm-hmm. So if it's a new partner, you know, when you're having your safer sex talk, when you're talking about what's on the menu for that night, I think it's really helpful up front there to talk about, you here's the kind of feedback, here's the kind of conversation I like to have. When it's people who have already been touching each other for a long time and maybe never asking for anything different, it can be jarring to suddenly start talking during sex if you have been having the same sex for 10 or 20 years. Um, So again, I really think it's valuable to have a conversation first. And it's really valuable for a lot of folks to either gamify it or treat it not as sex, but as exploration time. Because people have such a hard time with the idea of talking during sex. I think instead it's really valuable if they do something like you were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, saying like, Hey, let's go explore each other's bodies. Let's, you know, go have this playtime that is not necessarily about penetration or about orgasm. It's just about exploring each other's bodies and talking about touch touch techniques. Mm-hmm. Or doing um exercises. There's one in my book where um, I encourage people to ask for everything. Mm. So from, you know, hold my hand, you know, kiss my neck, every single touch that's going to happen has to be asked for to start getting people used to doing the asking. I often also suggest that people start with massage because a lot of the same language is appropriate, but it's less emotionally charged. Mm. So if someone's squeezing your shoulders, it's just as appropriate to say, you know, faster or slower, harder, or softer, mm. left or right. And it turns out a lot of that translates to genital touch as well. Mm. Um, but most of us have less of our ego tied up in how good of a massage we give. Mm. So sometimes it can be easier to, to hear that fa- feedback in another area of our lives first, before they d- dive straight into doing it in sex. Um, we can also borrow a lot of communication techniques from the business world. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about sandwiching a lot, um, which is, again, this is something that you would you would get in business classes, But and this all has to be true, but you can sort of couch, couch the change that you're asking for between two positives. So you could say something like, you know, I really love the way you're touching me. I wonder if you could do it a little bit harder. I'm really enjoying having sex with you. Something like that. And now it's not just to artificially stroke someone's ego. Those things all have to be genuinely true. But if you're worried about hurting someone's feelings, which most people are with sex with a partner, that's that's one of the most common reasons I hear that people don't speak up is they don't want to hurt the other person's feelings, mm-hmm. or rock the boat, or you know they just think, you know, like the, all the jokes about like you know pizza and sex, like even you know bad pizza is still pizza. Um, But I I really don't think that applies. I know people view it that way, but I really think most of us could be having much better sex if we were using our words in that. Mm. But I think it can be helpful to to ramp up to that slowly and gently if, if... you're not used to giving feedback and your partner's not used to hearing feedback yeah
0: so in other words more practice and practicing in ways that aren't the yeah. most like scary vulnerable places and all the uh, pra- start are mm-hmm. practicing the other avenues before and then it will translate into sexuality and even in sexual mm-hmm. in the you know in the bedroom or wherever you're having sex maybe you're not having mm-hmm. sex in the bedroom um that in itself will be its own practice too yeah were you t- so tell us a little more about your your book then, because I know that um, that you just came out last month or it came out in September. OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is an evergreen product. So maybe you're listening to this in like 2025. <laughs> so uh, but this is two, this is uh, November 2018. So yeah. So tongue tied, untangling communication in sex, kink and relationships. Tell us a little more about your book.
1: Absolutely. So this book came out of a conversation with Cleus Press. They actually initially approached me about doing a bondage book. Um, And because I am who I am, when we were on the phone, and I was geeking out about the communication and negotiation piece so much, Mm -hmm. they called back a week later and said, actually, why don't you do a book about that? Mm -hmm. Um, And that whole thing, of course, was a little bit of a miracle. Um, People... Uh, probably know that usually the publisher doesn't just call you um, mm-hmm. so that kind of blew my mind because that when that happened now about almost two years ago I was at a point where I thought okay I need to get either an official advanced degree or a book deal to sort of add legitimacy to mm-hmm. my career because there's a lot of gatekeeping as you know and around you know access to teaching in, in more academic Places and I do speak in a lot of universities, but I'm always there as a guest speaker, of course, not as a professor. And so I was sort of thinking, like, okay, well, what can I do to be, you know, more well known? And and I'd actually just taken a, a graduate level counseling course at, at uh, Portland State University, sort of testing the waters of doing that. And then this book fell into my lap, and I'm like, oh well, mm-hmm. there you go. Then I was going to do one or the other, and now one of them has been handed to me. Um, And it was really perfect because that communication piece, it does work itself into every single class that I teach, as I was saying, you know, even when it's, you know, it's a pagan class, it's a bondage class, it's the vulva class, you know, almost half the time is is about the talking piece because that's so essential to every kind of sex. And so I really enjoyed being able to do a book that is all about the talking pieces Mm -hmm. and really trying to demystify a lot of that really trying to help people see how many assumptions they have and how that might be getting them into trouble. Um, so there are a lot of exercises people can do both for self-work and with a partner. Um, there are some worksheets, um, and yeah, so it's everything from, from self-exploration to, to things to do with a partner. Hmm. Awesome. Sounds like, a
0: Uh, the kind of book that our listeners would like when we've done a poll of like what they're looking for, you know, their, their top things are that you all are interested in are more like communication relationships and, and partnership stuff or how to be like a better lover, you know, sexual mastery. So it's, it's um, yeah, there's, and we all, I mean, I need to read this book too. (laughs) Do. Okay. My last question before we wrap up, do you ever find as a sex educator, sex coach, that um, there's a lot of uh, April and I with podcast together, we're talking about this, that there's like a lot of pressure to have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, does that ever happen for you? This feeling of like when your sex life or your relationships aren't, you're like, you're confused and you're lost. And I don't mm-hmm. understand this part of my body or, or my relationship. Do you ever feel like uh,
1: that's a lot, there's a lot of pressure there for you to have it because yeah. of your job title? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, one of my classes came out of that fear. <laughs> um, I do a class about imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And this is one that I do for professionals at conferences because I was having that feeling mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. that feeling of, it was sort of twofold. One was just the sheer terror that someone would ask me in a a question in the class that I didn't know the answer to. Mm -hmm. And two, that if everything in my personal life to do with sex and relationships isn't perfect, then who am I to try to help anybody ever? Mm -hmm. Um, And so trying to get over those things absolutely was difficult. And I'm not 100% there yet, mm-hmm. either. I, I still have moments if I have an, a miscommunication with a partner or with a friend, I will absolutely kick myself. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm supposed to be good at this. Yeah, How, I'm supposed to have this down. Yeah. how did this happen? Mm-hmm. And part of how I handle that is trying to be really real and vulnerable in my classes. I've absolutely stood in front of 100 people and said, so hey, like, I'm still working on this thing. Here mm-hmm. is what I know to be true. Mm-hmm. I'm not perfect at it yet. But but here's what I know to be true and maybe you can learn from this. And so I just try to be as transparent and vulnerable as I can about the stuff that I don't have figured out or that I am still working on. And I think that it's valuable too that that people don't look at educators or, or coaches as though as though we're perfect and have it all figured out because I think that that is distancing and alienating. Um, I think it's far more important to show like, there are some things we know that maybe you don't know. And also we're still just human beings who are still learning and trying and figuring it out.
0: Yeah. And then through that learning comes the ability to teach it because you've been through all the hardships, you know, all the ups and downs from yeah. the bottom to the top and then down to the bottom again, and then maybe in the middle and then down to the bottom. And yeah, it creates so much
1: empathy too, you know, and that, that is something I try to talk about. I've, I've done, um, I've done a lot of storytelling shows, mm. Um, like the Risk podcast and and, and shows in Portland. Um, and, and I do one about, you know, my marriage. And I do talk about like, oh, even though I thought I knew so much about sex and my sexuality, I ended up getting into a marriage with someone I wasn't particularly compatible with. Mm-hmm. And like we were monogamous and vanilla and all of these things that really didn't work for me. And I did it anyway and, you know, had a, a marriage that was semi sexless mm-hmm. and you know i tell people that now and they're just like i don't get that yeah, i'm you know i've i've seen you having like orgies in public how could that have been you um but it, it happens like mm-hmm. that can happen to to anybody mm-hmm. and having had that experience and knowing what that feels like and having lived through a time where i genuinely believed gosh maybe i'm just not that into sex mm-hmm. You know, because it's really hard to pinpoint the problem when you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And having been through that now helps me see when other people are in a similar place or to have empathy with them. And because I share that sort of thing, it, it makes people feel safe, hopefully, mm-hmm. telling me when, when they're in those situation as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think that's, yeah, You 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 become... Relatable in that sense, and then it helps to normalize the experience for people. And I like what you just said—that part about, um, like maybe yeah, maybe sex isn't for me. I think a lot of our listeners, the sex questions we get is is, um, you know, maybe I because I have low desire right now in my relationship and sex just isn't my thing. And um, and then they have different experiences that show them. Otherwise, it's just based on a lot of different factors that can be worked on should mm-hmm. you choose to do that. Um. How, so how can people work with you? Because I know that you do coaching, and then how, And I know we have your book at pure pleasure. We also have the mm-hmm. Enjoy one that we were just talking about. <laughs> but um, how can they get your book? How can they work with you? Um, how can they learn more about you?
1: Yeah. Um, well, the sort of one-stop is my website, mm-hmm. uh, StellaHarris.net. Um, the book is available at many local sex toy stores and bookstores. It's also available from Amazon or from Cleus's website, um so those are the sort of sure things Mm -hmm. if you don't see it locally um if you'd like to work with me uh again starting on my website is great i do phone and skype coaching to folks anywhere in the world if you're coming through portland i have an office there um i also do coaching online with Juicebox, Mm -hmm. um so you can find me there if you would like and i'm on instagram facebook twitter um I'm on pretty much everything is either Stella erotica or Stella Harris erotica mm. because I chose all my handles back in my erotica <laughs> writing days, uh, which I was doing for a while mm. before I was doing the education piece. Mm-hmm.
0: And if you all don't know about, about Juicebox, I've talked about it before because I'm a coach in there as well. And so Stella is as well as juice box for, um, at least just iPhones right now, right? It's, it's not like on Android right now. I think they're they're sort of they're testing yeah. some
1: ways. Yeah. They're they're testing some stuff in Slack right now for okay. folks who don't have iPhones. Yeah. but it's, it's yeah I think in beta still. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> that. Yeah, I have some
0: yeah I have some Slack clients right now. It's um yeah so it's a uh, online chat uh, anonymous coaching forum where you can get your sex questions answered directly with a sex and relationship coach um and it's all anonymous because it's all chat, so they can't see your face or you can Mm -hmm. use this code name if you want to and um they answer your your sex questions in 24 hours so if you go to juice box you can look that up it's a really awesome um easy outlet for people to get support Uh, again the book is tongue-tied untangling communication in sex kink and relationships by stella harris go check it out and um thank you so much for for being on her show. And then, uh, well, this is going to come out next week. So it's after you've already taught at pure pleasure. (laughs) Um, But I also learned more about Stella's work, Stella's workshops. If you go to uh, her website, she teaches a lot of things just to give you all a rundown of some of the options of other workshops that she teaches. If my laptop allows me to pull it up fast (laughs) enough. So there's the G spot and squirting orgasms. There's a communication that bedrooms learn, learn to ask for what you want. There's Tongue Tied, the class. There's Mapping the Vulva, Introduction to Rope Bondage. Uh, if you're in, uh, let's see, if you're in Portland, she has a class coming up on November 14th. If you're in Seattle, she has a class coming up on the 23rd of November. This is 2018. There's lots <laughs> coming up, everyone. So go check it out. Go learn. Um, and then just one last shout out. Um, uh, I'm. We drink wine often on this podcast, April's not here. We're not drinking wine right now, but I'm still going to give a shout-out to Margins Wine. Um, there's a difference between something that is, is sustainable and from underrepresented grapes, and this is a woman-owned and operated company, and it is raw, and it is nice and clean, and it is a wonderful wine. So Margins Wine, go check it out, marginswine.com. Uh, and you can also use the coupon code SHAMELESS10 for 10% off of three bottles or more, or SHAMELESS15 for uh, 15% off of six bottles or more. So go check it out. Our girl, Megan Bell. Thank you, Stella. And have a good class tomorrow. I won't be able to be there. I'll be in Berkeley. But it was uh, yeah. so happy that you came here. And I really hope you get your laptop back. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. This has yeah. been great. Yeah, thanks for coming. And then as April would say, everyone ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.